0: Welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hello. I'm Rachel and each week on the Skies Under podcast I chat to my really good friends Sarah Clayton and Lucy Parr. We might um, groan and moan and that's just getting up and off our chairs because we're all getting on Uh, but we also talk about parenting our children with disabilities. My background is that I'm a nurse as well as being the parent of three boys and my eldest son has cerebral palsy as well as really complex health needs. I wrote the memoir The Skies I'm Under and I'm found and director of Born at the Right Time. My good friend Sarah is the CEO of Simple Stuff Works. She has four children and her eldest daughter suffered a brain tumour at the age of six. Then as a consequence of treatment and complications, she is now a young woman who lives with learning disabilities and different medical needs. And then that leaves Lucy. Lucy is currently working in the school as an SCN worker, um, but she is also training to do educational psychology. She's doing a PhD in educational psychology, but that course has been paused for the minute. Her third of four children has a chromosome duplication, which means he isn't verbal, has autism, high sensory needs, and really complex epilepsy. So now you know who we all are, let's get into talking about the goldfish bowl. Hello, Sarah and Lucy. Welcome Hello. to episode 13 of the Skies Are Under podcast. How are you both?
1: Yeah, all
0: surviving. good. Yeah, surviving. all good.
2: Alive, breathing.
0: Yep. Alive. And bre- before we get started on thinking about our topic this week, living in a goldfish bowl, um, shall we think about, uh, would you believe that we got an email from Jenny through our email the skies were under email which is tswupodcast at gmail.com please do email us with your questions and your thoughts and your ideas and she wanted to share a would you believe it what is it with people going up to your children and touching their cheeks do you do you and just like she is adorable apparently our daughter is seven years old now but complete strangers in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) <laughs> where we have infectious oh diseases going everywhere. Come up and touch her on the face when she can do nothing about it. I don't know. I definitely can resonate with that. What about you two as far as it's up there with the touching the bump when you're do pregnant, you, isn't it? Yeah.
2: When B was really poorly, she was kind of your very stereotypical bald-headed child with cancer and an NG mm-hmm. tube and people mm-hmm. would would run in the opposite direction Aww. rather than approach um but we were once in we were in a, a, a pet shop and she was looking at some rabbits and some a, an, old, an older gentleman came up behind her and like patted her on the head so she got a completely bald head with a sucking very big scar down the back and he sort of patted her quite hard on the head and said um i can't even remember what he said and i she was absolutely devastated yeah, it was bonkers, no and i I did say to a member of staff like can, like this has just happened and this is not on and they caught up with him and said no 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 that's not on you need to apologize for that and he came over and he was very apologetic and it was it seemed to be i don't know what he thought was the
1: positive of petting her on in, the, in a pet yeah, shop like
2: patting her on the head that the was the oddest one
1: the irony that it's a pet shop too yeah <laughs> uh,
2: exactly <goodness laughs> me. there's
1: lots of but other that, things to pet you don't yes. need to pet someone's bald head no goodness no but yeah, that's we, not
2: like just that infantilizing thing yeah, yeah no yeah, just the yeah. squeezing of the cheeks and the just
0: yeah oh. we've got a 16 year old now and it's like hi how you doing? And it's like, um, mm. like a bit of intonation and a bit of change of pace and excitement in your voice mm. is fine, but he's 16.
1: And the, yeah, that motherese thing that happens a lot with Brex. People talk to him in this kind of ease like high-pitched, <laughs> Oh hi, oh, so lovely. <laughs> Like that kind of like, really grating thing that a lot of people do with their babies and toddlers and babies and toddlers obviously it's fine you kind of naturally do it but the it says it speaks volumes when you naturally do that with a child that mm. chronologically mm-hmm. is is 14 15 teenager but is perceived to be um, you know younger and a baby and and not able to do things so you know we we had firm words with carers who would do that and just said that mm-hmm. you know talk to them Having- like a Normal human, please.
0: Having said that, okay. somebody did that with me today. They phoned up to find out the account numbers and stuff for the business because our business numbers stuff stuff has changed. And she was like, "Hello, can I just call in to find out some of the details of your invoices?" Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm just waiting for it at some point, you know the way some people do that at the beginning of a conversation, and then calm down." I was just waiting mm. for it to cal- didn't happen the whole way <laughs> no. through. She's like, "Thank you ever so much, and what's the sort code?" <laughs> freaking sort code. Calm down, love. It's only Tuesday. Felessa. If you needed to have a summary of that, don't touch people's faces.
2: Uh, my my laptop's about to die. Let oh, me go and get my lead. Sarah always on, does on, this. I don't always it's the first time.
0: Alright, it's the first time in first the podcast, time. but you always do hang it on. whenever we Just, have meetings. I
2: know, I know, I
0: know. Just a I thought she was getting I thought she was getting um I saw a sore head from her big fat head and her oh, yeah. headphones. <laughs>
1: Crushing her head in her headphones. So much knowledge inside this brain. Yeah. We apologise
0: for this interruption to episode 13 of the Skies Wonder podcast. This is due to Sarah Clayton not plugging in her laptop. Normal service will resume promptly. I don't think so noticed. <laughs> Sarah is back again from a little jaunt to get some electricity (laughs) funneling into her laptop and we can once again start our discussion about living in the goldfish bowl. First of all why have we brought up the topic of a goldfish bowl? What exactly do we mean? I don't think anybody who has a child with complex needs will wonder what this term means Um, but for, in case you don't know then there is a a phenomenon that happens for families like ours that once you have a significant diagnosis more often than not lots of diagnoses chronic conditions um, you end up having lots and lots of therapists involved lots and lots of people lots and lots of practitioners um, and in the training that I do there's a, a term that I come up with called the vulnerability labyrinth and the vulnerability labyrinth is kind of, it occurs because first of all, you have this diagnosis or you have an event or something happens. And then firstly, you kind of go into automatic pilot. You know, you go into the this calm of the storm where everything around you happens. And you've got no option but to put one foot in front of the other. And we probably all did this to a certain extent of the pandemic when everybody was making the decisions. And we knew that the only thing we could do was keep breathing and just do what we were supposed to be we're being told to do Mm -hmm. then there's this invasion of advice where every tom dick and harry and their hairdressers all tell (laughs) us exactly what we ought to be doing or could be doing or maybe should be doing and it might come in the form as a daily mail article and envelope popped into your letterbox (laughs) It, it might be oh, a very
1: well-known,
0: weird, <laughs> oh, a little well-meaning conversation from somebody, but all these different things essentially present us with, this is how we get better, this is how it's going to all be okay. Um, And then after the invasion comes this sort of sense of this vulnerability labyrinth and the vulnerability labyrinth is like this construct of the language, the systems and the power imbalance of professionals and policies which essentially make families like us feel really powerless and isolated because we don't know the words, we don't know the rules, we don't have the authority to make the Mm -hmm. decisions about the the people that we love and so Mm -hmm. we kind of end up being observed by all these people. We end up being open up to the scrutiny of all these people in order to decide whether or not we should get a service or whether or not we should get funding or whether or not this is appropriate for our child. Now, all those services are very well-meaning and all those things are in place to make our lives better. But there is a a consequence of that system that essentially means we live in a goldfish bowl. Mm -hmm. That means we live being watched by people all the time and I think there are negative consequences to that and I just wanted to discuss um, what our lives in the goldfish bowl look like.
1: The thing for the goldfish bowl for me is that you end up having to kind of ask for lots of things that you don't really want because you're <laughs> literally asking for lots of scrutiny mm. that you don't really actually want but you need so mm. you you, ha- you are having to put yourself in a goldfish bowl. Yeah, But it doesn't necessarily... It's not what you want in any way because the whole situation is not something you want. Um, and what really pisses me off, actually, is the imbalance of power, of the weight of power that people outside the goldfish bowl have to make decisions in your goldfish bowl. So Ooh. you... You do not have the same level of authority or autonomy um, because they are holding all the things, they are holding all the decision making processes, they are holding all the money Mm. and you don't have any um, autonomy in that but if they fuck that up it's fine, if you fuck it up it's not fine. And that that is mm-hmm. there's such an imbalance there. Like if you if you fuck up there is massive consequences. Yeah. So we're thinking about I've just I've just made an application to universal credit because tax credit's fucked up massively on our um thing and I was really honest and told them all the things about, you know, Brecken's now not here, and he's living away, and so we're not eligible for this and the other. Can you please amend it? So instead of amending it, they just shut our claim and stopped our money. So we were like, oh, that that isn't what's supposed to happen. We know we're still eligible, eligible for that. Uh, so we rang them and tried to sort it out and they just made mess up after mess up and had closed our claim and said that we didn't send our renewal form in while also saying on the phone, oh, I can see that your renewal form is here, uh, etc. And there's zero consequence for that, mm. right, except that we've lost all our income from yeah. them. No consequence for that. If I had not, if they'd found out that I hadn't told them about the change, mm. then we would be literally, the consequence is lifelong ban for all in-work benefits the end Mm. yeah so the the imbalance of that is so unfair the scrutiny that we have as as i mean that was one example but as parents of children with additional needs and you you got some really good stuff on the blended diet stuff you know the Mm. scrutiny Mm. that you have about how you feed your child etc if you have a disabled child versus what you you know versus if you didn't is massive and is so unfair and it makes me so angry. That particular bit of it that professionals hold more power and are less accountable. Ultimately. Yeah, I think that less um,
0: lack of accountability is that's that's really that's so true. Because it comes down to if something goes wrong, it's still my responsibility. Like if if my child if something happens, it the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. But that isn't matched with my authority. I kind yeah. of feel like so so often. There is this, it's like this seesaw where um, the people who have all the power don't have any responsibility. <laughs> and the people with all the mm-hmm. responsibility to care and support somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 and a bit days a year have none of the power. And yeah. there, there's, that leaves with uh, an incredibly stressful
1: situation for families like ours. Mm hmm. Because expi- it's your responsibility to micromanage the rest of the people that are involved. But you can't, because how are you supposed to do that when you don't know the processes, you don't know the authority, you don't know
0: Yeah, you, and the, you have no authority over them. Yeah. You know, so all, all the information comes back to you because you're the linchpin for yeah. all the different agencies. You're the person that all the different agencies communicate with, but they... That you have, but you have no authority to say. Okay, it's not like you're managing a team. Like, if this was your, if this was a team around the child, and you were the, you know, the caseworker for that child, be like, right, I need that information because that affects this. But you're not. You're the person in the centre that all the information goes to. But you have no authority within which to ask those people who are observing your goldfish bowl, like you're contained within your goldfish bowl you've got all the people yeah. that are deciding the environment outside um and observing uh have got all the power but you can't you can't coordinate them you can't yeah uh, give deadlines for them you can't you're just beholden to their systems and and processes
1: and i've noticed that on both sides so obviously um as a professional working in education and then as a parent the i can literally say something with the qualification being my title and that's it in a meeting Mm -hmm. and it will go down as right fact. Yep. This person said this, the end. And if I say something as a parent, it's like I have to build a case and it, it, like that's so wrong. So unbelievably wrong. I could be have been in the job for like two minutes um, just because of my title as a professional, my opinion counts for something in a meeting where a parent will have to fight for their voice to be heard, mm. and that is not in any way okay. But yeah, the goldfish bowl is not not a great place to to be living, and and you go stir crazy. Goldfish go stir crazy, surely. <laughs> yeah, I go stir crazy. Well, without being able to get your tits out, I mean, exactly. Wouldn't? I can't get my tits out in the goldfish bowl because there's a whole. <laughs> Audience. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I mean, who wouldn't want to see those <laughs> exactly. bad boys? Who want to see those bad boys? Exactly.
2: Thinking about this this idea, I remember it so clearly because for me it was really sudden. For me, it was on a morning, mm. so it wasn't a case of a gradual there wasn't a gradual process by which my life was, grad, you know, kind of was invaded. Mm. It was that I went out at half past seven in the morning and I had autonomy and <laughs> control over where I was going to go and what time I was going to back, to get back and that I was going to go to Toys R Us. Toys R Us. Mm. Yes. See um, episode
0: one. <laughs> or two. I can't remember which.
2: And then, um, and then and then I didn't by yeah. eleven o'clock I didn't over those those first few days I felt like I went from being a private citizen
0: who mm. had a it was my
2: it was my life and I could do what i what I wanted when I wanted with my reason. kids <laughs> within reason um but there were, you know um if they went to bed at eight they went to bed at eight and if they went to bed at nine no one's you know- mm-hmm. to literally you will sleep here tonight um and and lights out at 10 mm-hmm. you know kind of like what 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 on earth has just happened so that that for me it was really sudden mm-hmm. um and it was that complete loss of control but I do think I remember I remember a conversation with you Rachel um at the beginning of the pandemic when when the world went mad and I remember it was like yeah, so we're not going to go out and we're not going to go do this, not going to do... and so many of the families that I'm connected with just took it in their stride that it was like yeah, yeah this is what we're going to do now. You know yeah. that just that
1: right, we'll just we'll just roll with that one yeah um, we had had a walloping great preparation yeah. for that haven't we yeah By like oh this, we've had the world, world life, turn upside this... down yeah i
0: remember this yeah. i remember this feeling in my body yeah. i remember yeah. this feeling in the way the world has suddenly changed yeah. the way oh the only difference is everybody joined us Whereas yes. before, it was it's happening just us. to us, and yeah. all of the people that we knew were just carrying on, yeah. on were carrying on with life as normal. So yeah, the difference yeah. was we were all in the goldfish bowl.
2: I quite enjoyed watching other people's reactions. Because <laughs> 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 like, you're a sicko,
0: aren't you? A, a is that what bit. it is? Not, enjoyed's the wrong word. You
2: did, it, I intre- remember you saying. I did enjoy, yeah, oh. I did enjoy it. Did. <laughs> but the, um, watching those restrictions on other people's lives and the way that they responded to them, I found interesting because yeah. those restrict we've had those restrictions for years in terms yeah. of accessibility into you know um you guys more than more than me but you know the accessibility into a building yeah accessibility in terms of people's attitudes to the noises that people make and yeah. the way that they run around and all that sort of stuff brings its own restriction and then watching people respond to that when it's on their you know um mm, in their, their right wasn't
1: interesting it was interesting um, um, yeah it's interesting and people yeah. people care more when it happens to them right you can you can say to you, your are blue in the face but, and I I you know I could include myself in that I didn't really think about disability until I had Brecken. no no, um, no it wasn't on my no. radar so you know yeah I felt I felt like there should be equality but I don't think I ever know what that actually meant no, until no. I had Brecken. no um and so other people the same, and then suddenly they've got the same restrictions, and everything's yep. going completely pear shaped.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think what I did pre-being on this side of the bed is that I I believed that disability affected things, like oh they're in a wheelchair, that means I can't go up the stairs. Yeah. You know, that, that disability was kind of contained to certain parts of people's lives. I, yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, even... Because even, obviously I train as a nurse, and so I, I did learn disability nursing. I did my mental health, and I did paediatrics as well as my adult stuff. So I, I was in different situations with people with very complex as well as more mild and moderate um, learning disabilities and physical health needs. Um, but it wasn't until... I was the parent. The gradual invasion for us happened not because my son wasn't very complex from the very beginning but because the services kind of just started dripping in with yeah. time. Do you know what I mean? As as yeah, yeah. as the re- the extent of his disabilities became more obvious. Yeah. So um but it was that I really clearly remember um on the day that they said, you know, you think about a sleep system. You know, think <laughs> about what position you're Sun is and we'd already got you've got to do this when you're feeding him you've got to do this when you're sitting with him you've yep. got to do this when you're stimulating his vision you've got to do this when he's in a push chair you've got to make sure he's supported in the high chair and then suddenly it was like and you need to put him to bed differently too
1: yep.
0: and it was that I, I remember sitting there was a lady called Judy who ran the um the toy library uh and ran it for years and years in South Southend, um, a wonderful woman, and I remember sitting down on the toy library um, chairs and just being like, nothing is sacred. Yeah. Mm. There's no part of our lives that somebody else doesn't get to decide how I do it or how I interact with it. Yeah. Everything is up for grabs. people's opinions and people's equipment and people's um scrutiny and that sense of being watched and judged and assessed and measured and being open to questioning and requiring explanations it's just exhausting Mm. you know it's like it's like this metaphoric strip search you know it's like it's like you know you you you, I, i am one of those people that always gets um, gets stopped when I'm going through the airport as well you know one of the, it's inevitable I can do everything I've not got a belt I've deliberately put yeah, trainers yeah. on and still shifty, they're gonna be like can you, can you step <laughs> to one side madam but it's that it's that kind of always feeling like they're gonna go so can you tell us a bit more information can you tell us How much you earn for that? And can you tell us how, you know, what time you put your child to bed needing to prove um, all the time? Are you, you know, are you disabled enough? Are you too disabled? Are you happy enough? Are you too sad?
2: (laughs) Exactly. And that fine line, I think Mm. that's the thing that gets me is it's that fine line all the time where it's, um, we've talked about it before, haven't we? Celebrating our um, young people's achievements and Mm. their successes but not too much, because (laughs) if you celebrate it too much, then that means that they've got too much support. You know, it's like if they they do succeed and achieve, yeah, yeah, then the support's going to be taken away Mm -hmm. because they don't need it. And it's like, no, the success and achievement was because
1: of the support. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Back to that nothing is sacred, I totally feel that, especially because we, for us, our main... I mean there's lots of kind of professionals involved at a distance but for, for Brecken, his care needs are 24-7 eyes on all the time mm. sort of situation so we've always had to have since we got support it was chaos before that but since we got support we've always had people in and out the house mm. and like even down to things like you know if you do a shit in the bathroom and it stinks <laughs> and someone's <laughs> got to go in there and you're like oh god what are they gonna think? live yeah, you and recycled. Recycling totally. no. You can't even wrap your, your tits out. It's just like <laughs> nothing is sacred. But you're, you're posting your feces in the toilet. But that's that. But isn't it that thing though,
2: where you go it's back to that idea of going from a private citizen to public property, because your your home becomes a place of work for somebody else. So how do you? It's so hard, and it must be really hard. To be the other person as well, where your place of work is somebody else's home. And, you know, if you've got anything about you, you'll be conscious of that. It must be really hard to be the other person yeah, as well, where your is. place yeah, of yeah. work is somebody else's home. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you've got anything about you, you'll be conscious
0: of that, you
2: know. That's um, a question I use
0: in our interviews. I, whenever yeah? I'm interviewing you, Carers, I ask questions about around that because of... yeah. You know, because I want to know what, what kind of insight they have into yeah. the difference. Because it is different; it really, really yeah, is different. It... It's not really even episodic care. It's not like go in, cook the dinner, have a chat, chin wagon and leave. It's like it's like really yeah. intimate sort of stuff, yeah. and it's really, mm-hmm. you know, coming on day trips and being part of the family and yeah, being yeah, part you of know, family exactly. Because essentially, we need three adults minimum yeah. To yeah, yeah. yeah and that's just yeah. that's just how but it how goes you, it's
2: about how you have your arguments you know mm. how they, all the natural stuff that should be going on the communication the the
1: the yeah. fallouts the the yeah. all of it being observed um, if i explode at my children are yeah. they gonna are they gonna like yeah are they gonna kind of so then everything's like tense and a bit a little bit like on eggshells because you you've got an external big brother eye or that's what it can feel like. It does. It does really affect. <laughs> it really affects the way I behave. I, I kind of feel like I'm in the firm. I feel like I'm
0: Tom Cruise. You know, partly because I'm particularly good at hanging off a cliff with my just my fingertips. <laughs> I'll have you know. But you know the the the, fir, the um John Grisham book The Firm. The book is much better than the film. Sorry, Tom. Um. Because Tommy's listening. (laughs) Um, Tommy's obviously keen. (laughs) Because obviously, was listening to this. (laughs) Thomas. Um, uh, So, him and his wife. uh, He gets into this big fangled, dangled walk. Um, law firm, and then uh, it's a it's a it's like seems too good to be true, which then it clearly is because they are like accountants for mafia type people, and he gets kind of, and and his life gets taken over, and they basically gather up evidence, and and so he discovers with time that actually his whole house has got microphones in it, and so him and his wife kind of, you know, in order to have conversations about how they're really feeling and what's going on, they like walk to the end of the garden and like have this conversation then they'll go have to go back into the house and kind of do it for the firm to hear and it's that kind of feeling it's like you know having to do a couple of versions of your life so that so that you put on whatever shows required good or bad Mm -hmm. you know do Mm -hmm. I make sure my hair is scruffy and I've I don't get changed that Morning for the social worker because i want, <laughs> <laughs> want more support or do i rock up to the local authority civic center with my heels and my power suit because i want them to take me seriously
1: do you know what i mean we yeah. we yeah. we dress yeah. up for um you're forced to do that and that yeah, sucks. because it really because bad. you're being watched i absolutely hate 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 having to be someone fake or be fake Mm. a fake Mm -hmm. version of like I just want to be me in whatever space I I am which sometimes gets me into trouble but (laughs) um (laughs) but so I find it really difficult to like to to have to do that whole rock up in you know like put on a perception for somebody else to perceive me to be a certain way because I'm like I don't I don't want to have to do that for you I want you to take me seriously because I rock up yeah. not because I rock up in my certain outfit not, and I want you to listen mm. to what I'm saying when I say I can't cope not because I've got food all down me and I've got messy <laughs> hair and haven't washed for three weeks but because I've just told you that for yeah. that's sake all, don't you think no, that's it's just the
2: trust stuff isn't it it all comes yeah. back to trust again of, mm. of the level of scrutiny is because the lack of the lack of trust
1: yeah. Mm. So we're talking
2: about having to be scrutinized because it's not good enough to say I yeah, can't yeah. cope. So well why would you be saying you can't cope is it because you want more money from the state? I've never met a family that doesn't just want to take what they need. You know that <laughs> concept of of take what you need. Mm. No, I don't know anybody no. that tries to take more. Than yeah. than they need they just need what they
0: need oh i don't know i i i like to stock pile pads, know, pads. <laughs> <laughs> i really love the fact you know each each 3 months when i get that big box of pads through i'm like i oh, don't you know where to put, put them yeah. if only i could if only i could fill more cupboards with yeah. this shit you <laughs> like could in your loft you could do this. it is. Yeah, that's where they are. I and mean, like you say, the syringes and the, you yeah. know, we have, we're, we're pretty posh. We've got a utility room, but it is, it's full of yeah. my son's yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's full of syringes and meds and yeah. giving sets and yeah, yeah,
1: full but of I think it and equipment. That's an interesting point you made about um, the lack of trust and feeling, feeling like you Know we take more than we need, or we might take more than we need because I don't think the goldfish bowl stops at professionals. I think the goldfish bowl, mm-hmm. we are also watched by a wider society where mm-hmm. we've kind of who have their preconceptions and their pre notion, their notions in their heads of what disability mm-hmm. looks like, what disability mm-hmm. families look like, and quite often that's lumped in with all oh, those benefit scroungers, you know. Oh, oh, and we as disabled people, yeah, well, you get a blue badge, you get to park in the in the uh. <laughs> In the space, you get to park wherever you want. Fuck you! You're like you're you're living the high life, <laughs> living the dream, of attitude, living <laughs> yeah. the dream, yeah. living the your... dream. And why yeah. do you
0: need a parking space outside a nightclub? For goodness' sake, you know you should be in bed. Disabled base should not be occupied after seven o'clock at night. What are those disabled people, disabled, doing? you're not not
1: just goldfish bowled by the professionals that you have to work with you're goldfish bowled by the rest of society because they they have a certain idea about what is disability what does it look like and who are those people and i think they genuinely a lot of people genuinely think we get perks goodness me like you have no idea come and live my life for 20 i'll do a life swap for 24 hours and then we'll reassess (laughs) where, where you're at with your opinion
0: Born at the Right Time is an organisation focused on bridging the gap between families of people with complex needs and the many practitioners who support us. Through CPD certified training, workshops, advocacy and campaigning, Born at the Right Time team are passionate about seeing a cultural change in the policies that surround us, improving the service at delivery and bringing about a better lived experience for people caring for those with complex disabilities. So, go to www.bornattherighttime.com for more information on CPD certified courses, parent workshops or buy one of my books, The Skies I'm Under or Shattered. Visit bornattherighttime.com to help bridge the gap between families of children with complex needs and those people who support us. Part and parcel of that dynamic of um, of scrutiny of being witnessed um, comes with the magnitude of the power imbalance. So the mm. the psychologist Foucault, I'm going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about here. I'm not. It's just because Joanna Griffin and I had a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago, and she was <laughs> like, "You need to read the stuff about this person." Um, and so I've been very uh, intellectually challenged, <laughs> trying to desperately. I tell you what,
2: I tell you what, that reference that you sent me to read in preparation for today, mm. talk about intellectually challenged. I'm trying to sort through B's pants drawer <laughs> to create some space whilst reading siku and really struggling. Nice. Nice. You don't you're like, know, you just like, this isn't even English. These words <laughs> don't make a sentence. Like there isn't th- I'm convinced Honestly, yeah. there were words in there I was having to use a bloody thesaurus to work so, out what Fico, the... So, Foucault,
1: which I think no, is a philosopher, great he's, a, he's a very, very good philosopher. If you He's not a very accessible philosopher. No, he's so not. So, what you should probably do is look up Foucault inspiration memes on okay. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's if they do it, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Do some we could just get little guide. bite-sized
1: pieces of Foucault with a nice rainbow background. So, yes. you know. <laughs> that's what we can have. Cartoon.
0: Cartoon Foucault. Yeah. So the reason the reason we bring up Foucault is that he talks about power being not something that you get given. Like it's not this something that's wielded, but it's something that's created by um the way the system is set up and like a shared truth or understanding this is where you interrupt me lucy if i've got it completely wrong no,
1: it's good. <clears> and it's the
0: when so he observes like schools and prisons and stuff and says the re- the way power is held and way behavior is um monitored and therefore affected is through observation you know, the all the prison cells all look out into each other, so it, the the wardens stuff get to walk around, and you get seen. And schools are all round, you know, the classrooms are all round a quad, so that the headmaster or mistress, the leadership within the school, can see what everyone's doing. And by this level of of observation, the 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 holding of power is is enforced without needing to do anything, because purely observing is what builds a construct and kind of what you're saying there Lucy is that 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 is a norm that we have accepted from everybody like everybody Mm -hmm. thinks you know if you're on benefits if you're disabled is that we should all be able to have an opinion about Mm -hmm. what you can or can't do and whether you deserve or don't deserve this service or this this treatment or this therapy or this equipment you know what's Mm -hmm. essential and what's not and why should we you know be paying our taxes to help your family go on holiday or do whatever why should we be paying for this specialist toilet when we're not going to use it yeah why why can't Mm -hmm. you be lying your 15 year old son on the bathroom floor rather than us paying for a changing places facility. But there but it's this it's this whole idea idea that there is the subservient power, the power on making people do what's acceptable by the collective is enforced by just by observing, by ensuring yeah. that you always feel watched.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And therefore what we're saying is if we are natural, if we feel like we're living in a in a goldfish bowl, mm-hmm. that has massive implications on our power, and and we we've, we've touched on it, it affects the relationships we have with each other, within the goldfish yeah. bowl, within our, our marriages, with the siblings, with our mm-hmm. with our children, and then mm-hmm. it has massive implications on the relationships we have with the people who are framed as supporting us. Mm-hmm. but are also part and parcel of making us feel more or less disabled by the nature of whether or not they say yes to the funding that we've just asked for to help with the the yeah. the hoist or the vehicle or the whatever else that's going to the good is going to give us accessibility yeah you know and there's lots of reasons why that access that that request might be denied because of funding and resources and restrictions and whatever but fundamentally what that feels as a family is that within my goldfish bowl, the people who've been set up to support us have actually made us feel more disabled.
1: Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And interesting what you said about everyone having an opinion and feeling watched and all that stuff, which I think is tenfold from when social media has become much more prevalent. So everyone has an opinion on Twitter, everyone has an opinion mm. on Facebook, everyone yeah, has an yeah. opinion. And so if you're in any way active on social media, you you can't. it's considered that if you put something up, your opinion is not just your opinion, your opinion is up for scrutiny. And yeah, so you're, you, you're fair game. Yeah, if you write things about disability, if you write things about your life as, as a person, parent of a complex needs child, um, it's, it's up for scrutiny and it's up for people to almost correct you and which I hmm. think is hilarious because you know if you go in front it, in psychology it, we talk about that there's people that think about an objective truth that is just out there and that everyone that truth is there black and white it you know there's a bin over there it is there the end everyone can see the bin and then you talk about the other extreme of like world views and and this thing of this idea of like constructivist things where everybody's view of the world is their own perception of the world. So I am mm. never gonna have the same world view as you, mm-hmm. the same world view as Sarah, the same there is no objective truth because all of our truth is is what we're living and our experience and filtered through our perceptions and our experiences and what we are de- dealing with on a day to day basis. But I think the people who are watching very much And have opinions a lot Mm -hmm. of the time that they sit on that like, well, this is the objective truth, black and white, right or wrong, etc. And then those of us who've actually had the pleasure, (laughs) challenge, (laughs) million words of (laughs) living a life with disability or living difficult experiences, I think we quite quickly have shifted our opinions to actually, my truth might be different from somebody else's truth Mm. and that's okay mm-hmm. um but the goldfish bowl thing is all about people just looking in and going well should you should be able to do this you should not be able to do you deserve this you do not deserve that according to our very fixed rigid mindset of yep. what the world looks like
0: and our, our very fi- fixed rigid parameters of mm-hmm. of um acceptable adversity which we've talked yeah. about last yeah. episode in mm-hmm. the resilience you know that acceptable level of will other people manage with this
2: i was reading that um uh i think by jack munro you know the Mm -hmm. food the vegan Um, lady she's awesome oh god she's amazing jack promo just saying (laughs) (laughs) but she was talking about that idea of um so 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 she was talking about the magical bag of pasta you know like kind of if people don't have enough money then then buy the 20p pasta and she's just like a the 20p pastor doesn't exist and she you know but yeah. then she's sort of saying about people um who aren't living in someone's situation thinking that they could live in that situation better Yep, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. they could do it
2: better you know and um and it, i think it's that again it's that trust thing and trusting that everybody's mm. actually doing their very best. very best there isn't a better you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it is what it is at that particular moment in time and you can look back and reflect and think that you might have done things differently as we all have during the course of this series. You know, we've all thought yeah. about things that we might have done differently with hindsight, but it is what it is at that time and you, and it's trusting that there is no better. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And Carl
1: Rogers, um, who's a great psychologist, talks about unconditional positive regard and he talks about how essentially that the belief and the idea and the kind of almost the whatever the creed I guess Mm -hmm. of of life being that everyone is doing the best Mm -hmm. with the resources that they have at the time and if you if you are able to apply that to everybody you meet then judgment goes out the window because if you understand and you know it takes a bit of practice because that is not the way the world molds us the world molds us to have opinions and be judgmental and all of that stuff so it's completely countercultural to then to then kind of apply this idea that everybody is doing the best with the resources that that they have but if we could all do that how much better would the world be Mm,
0: (laughs) do you know Um, what
1: when thinking about how do we cope with the goldfish bowl
0: better that single idea is the thing that helped me And I'm not saying I have it down. I'm not saying I don't find it hugely stressful. I know Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not saying. But as soon as I started thinking, the person that I'm talking to who I think is being rubbish in this situation and not doing either what they're supposed to in their job or whatever else is doing the best they can in the situation that they didn't wake up this morning and thinking, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be really rubbish at my job and try and piss off Rachel like yeah. they mm-hmm. didn't wake up and say that they they may have been stressed they may have been up the night with their own children they may feel under trained they may feel under resourced they may be you know hunkered down and in a in a spiral of stress and yeah. tribal and you know making toxic terrible decisions but they aren't doing that because they want to be toxic and terrible they're mm-hmm. doing it because they
1: are trying they're Frantically trying to do the best that they can. I think that's really important, but I think it's also really important to highlight there that you we are still very entitled to be angry about that because mm-hmm. the the decisions that are made have a direct in influence on us and a direct consequence, and mm. that it, it's about shifting the blame to that person's an asshole. To actually, this I'm very angry about this situation, but that person was also doing the best they could can could with the resource at the time. Those two are not yeah you know you don't have to be nice you don't have to be yeah. like you know accepting oh, well, that's not roll over that's yeah, not roll yeah, yeah. over and take the yeah. shit that you can a, still be it's... really angry
0: about it yeah and yeah. and work out how to convey that in a way that doesn't take people down that yes. takes systems apart this yeah.
2: and there's something in there isn't there about being really thoughtful with your energy Mm. we've all got a certain amount of capacity and a certain amount of energy, and if we're going to put that energy into anger which isn't go it isn't going you know you anger is one of those things that that um may welcome about, but it doesn't it's not necessarily very productive trying to channel that into something that would be productive so for us with the e h c p gate which is ongoing that that frustration is getting channeled into matching the scrutiny that they have given us with the scru- with my scrutiny of them mm.
1: and wanting to know
2: their process and wanting to know, you know mm. i want everything written down i want everything you know i detailed mm. rationale of this and i want this and i want that and i want the other to try to match it and that's how i cope mm. with it i think i just have accepted that it is part of getting to where we need to get to
0: you just have to open yourself Jump up for the to this group exactly. I think the thing that I think uh, the biggest impact of this goldfish bowl is the toxicity within the connections between us within it and those outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think there there really is uh, the biggest negative is this hyper vigilance that we've talked about loads in previous episodes. There's hyper mm-hmm. in trying to protect our children, but there's a hyper vigilance of the ways we communicate with practitioners. Yeah. There's a hypervigilance about the information we share. There's a hypervigilance because we're so cautious and anxious and armored up and fear of vulnerability in those situations because it can be wielded against us and it's it's yeah. really it's really tricky um, because it creates a it creates a cultural norm of conflict between families and the people mm-hmm. who are there to support them. Unfortunately we're all gonna go back to our goldfish bowls and <laughs> carry on life being watched. So all I think I want to say um to those those other parents who are in this gold their own little goldfish bowls is that we see you. Mm-hmm. We see you um, yeah. swimming away, doing your things, um, and just uh, really try to know that you're not alone. Uh, there are different truths to this situation yeah. that maybe we need to be shaking up, and maybe that's something it'd be really exciting to think about how that could be shaken up, but maybe that's not within a 45 minute podcast. <laughs> so,
2: and that all those parents have our what did you call it, Lucy? Our unconditional positive, positive regard. regard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you want to ask us some questions, uh, we're coming to the end of this season. uh, And I don't really know what's going to happen with next season or whether there will be a next season or what the next season will look like. If you have any ideas and thoughts about the podcast and you um, or even have resources that could help it happen, then... You can email us and let us know. It's tswupodcast at gmail.com. So, whatever the weather is in the time, in the weeks and days ahead, whether you have lots of people observing, scrutinizing, and watching you, whether you really just want to uh, abandon ship and sort of uh, shuttle the curtains and not let anybody in, really hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, that you find a way to manage this goldfish bowl and to look after yourselves and each other. Whatever skies we're under. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Skies Are Under podcast. Harry for his editing skills. For Sarah and Lucy for the conversation. And if you would li- like to be part of our conversation, then please email us. TSWUPodcast at gmail.com. That's TSWUPodcast.com at gmail.com. Until then, until next time, we give you unconditional positive regard.